This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Good. Okay. Welcome to Journey to Unity number three. We are up to our next Pasuk. So the next Pasuk is Gimelasu Taiv Vileira Kol Chaya. That's the Pasuk. Gimelasu Taiv Vileira Kol Chaya. I don't know about you, but for me, at least, as I sing Eishas Chayal every week, Maybe you have more expectation now. I don't know. But like, as I'm like seeing it and like going through like the words in my mind, there's like a lot more depth and meaning, you know, at least for myself in terms of what we're trying to build over here. So, Gimelasu Taiv, Veleira, Kalimechaya. That's the passage, right? Your husband sings this, maybe a little bit off key, but at least hopefully he has the words right. What does it mean, Gimelasu Taiv, Veleira? It means that she, and again, we're being gender neutral in this series over here. She is Gaimel Taiv, Gimelasu Taiv, Veleira. But She's giving, giving, she's giving out good vibes. Valera, but she's not being bad. She's not giving off mean vibes to her husband. All the time. What does that mean? So the basic explanation of this, which is probably the, I don't know if there's the highest level, the lowest level. The simple explanation of this is that a wife or a husband, we tend to live in each other's spheres. So, if your husband comes home and he's in a bad mood, or if your wife happens to be not so chipper on any given day, the the common, the normal reaction is that you pay back whatever they're dishing out as well. So if your spouse is in a bad mood, the natural thing is to jump on board and also be in a bad mood. They give you some attitude, you give it back twice as much. So the basic concept of Gimelasu Taivalera is that in a good relationship, a spouse doesn't do that. Even though your husband is in a bad mood, even though your wife made a nasty comment, even though somebody did something to you that was not so great, you still repay them tithe. Good. The Lyra, you don't counter their quote-unquote evil with evil. Rather, you're misgaver, you work on yourself, and you're able to just go past them. There's a medrash. The medrash says, read you part of this. I don't like reading from like Svarim. I feel like people who like go through like a whole thing. I'll, I'll paraphrase this for you. But the medrash says that this Pasuk is specifically speaking about Knesset Yisrael. That Hashem says to the Malachi Asharis, look how amazing my children are. Call Yisrael. That I go ahead and I smash them with Tzarais, Yisurim, Every day there's a tsunami and a plague and COVID and Parnassa and sickness and it's crazy stories going on. That's what goes on in, in, in the world. And Klaishal, they don't turn and get angry at me. Rather, they sit back and they say, yeah, maybe we deserved it. Our Kaddish Baruch Hu is a Racham, he's a Chanon. They're so nice to me. So in the same way that Klaishal doesn't get angry and they're not screaming at Hashem, a husband or a wife turns to the other one and says, oh, you must have had a hard day, honey. That's why you seem to be a little bit short-fused today. The first idea is a concept I would call almost radical acceptance. Radical acceptance. You accept your spouse for who they are. You expect you accept what they have gone through during the day. And you realize that anger, in a certain sense, has a place. And what is the place of anger? It's in order to achieve something. There's many psukim that talk about anger in the Torah. It talks about, Vayichar, Moshe, Moshe got angry. If you look in the Midrashim there, if you look in the Maral, they say he didn't get angry. He used anger as a conduit to express something. This is not good. 
You can't make the ego. You shouldn't have done this. Call Yisrael. You made a mistake. Anger has a place. That means that when your spouse comes home and they're in a bad mood, your job is not to now get into a bad mood with them. Your job is to realize, like, hold on, hold on. Let me be smart about this. Where does anger have a place? Okay, I have to calm myself down. Maybe I want to make a point to them. But the first concept of Gimulasu Taivalera is that you, you pay back good, even though the other person is dishing out something that is not necessarily good. That is the first concept. There's a very famous Gemara. The Gemara says that there was a man named Rav. Rav was a Talmud of Rebbe, Rebbe Huda Hanasi, who wrote the Mishnah. And he traveled from Eretz Yisrael to Bavel, and he was just on a totally different playing field than everybody else in his generation. The Gemara says that Rav was so great that even though he was in the generation after the Mishnah, they gave him the status of a Tana that he can argue on a Mishnah. So he was sort of that cutoff point between the Tanoim and the Amiraim. And the Gemara says that there was a man named Rav who his wife used to drive him crazy. What does that mean? Gemara says every time he would ask for a certain type of food, his wife would make something else. So let's just put this into 2023. Rav goes ahead, asks his wife for chicken soup. Comes out of the kitchen, vegetable soup. The next time he says, vegetable soup, comes out of the kitchen, chicken soup. The Gemara says all the time, Rav would ask for something, his wife would switch up whatever it was that he was asking for. Rav had a son, Chiyabarav, who chopped what was going on in his parents' marriage. And Chiyabarav once was talking to his father. And his father said, could you go into the kitchen and ask mommy for chicken soup? So he realized, I'll ask for chicken soup and she'll give him vegetable soup. So he went to the kitchen and he said, you know, Tati would like some vegetable soup. So his mother said, he wants vegetable soup? He's getting chicken soup. So she takes out of the freezer some, some, chick, some vegetable soup. I don't know, I lost track of which one is which. And she gives him the wrong one, okay? It happened to be that in that case, because Chiyab Rav switched it around, Rav got the right soup that night. And the Gemara says that Rav turns to his son. He says, wow, look at your mother. Amazing, incredible what she did. Tonight, I got the right soup. And Chiyab Rav turns to his father and he says, eh, not really. Uh, the truth is, is that really, I switched it in the kitchen and that's why you got the right soup tonight. And the Gemara says that Rav was very upset at his son. He told him, no, never do that. Never get involved in your parents' own bias, which is a good answer anyways. And that's the story. So I was reading this Gemara, and it was bothering me. It was bothering me because I think that any of us, if you try this at home, every time your husband asks you for something, you'd give him something else. It probably wouldn't last one round in your house before the neighbors would find out that like something's going on in your marriage, right? Most people would like scratch their head here, right? And if you think about it even a little further, like Rob's wife drove him crazy. Like imagine like you're married to the Gadol Adar and every time he asks you for something, like, you gave him the wrong food. Like I, this Gemara just like really didn't sit well with me. So I went over to different like Rabbanim and I was asking them about this Gemara and they were all just like, you know, shooing me away, like not really giving me a straight answer. And I met, I met Rabbi Rumshore. And I was, he was walking down the street and I bumped into him and I said, could I ask, you know, the Rav a question? And I asked him, like, could you tell me what's Pshat in this Gemara? So he said, Pshat in this Gemara? Pashup Pshat. I said, what do you mean Pashup Pshat? Pashup Pshat is, was saying, Rav's asking his wife for food. His wife is good. He said, don't you understand marriage? It's just soup. And he walked away. And I'm like, oh, pretty powerful. It's just soup. If you think about the message of the Gemara, the message of the Gemara is, it's just soup. If you calm yourself down and you're able to like get your emotions under control, 
and recognize that your spouse, like we spoke last time, he's not out to get you. He's not out to kill you. She's not trying to like concoct a whole plan to like hijack your children and like turn them against Hashem. All of these things that we tell ourselves, like when we get into like the heat of the moment is all false. It's not what's actually happening. Then you'll be able to calm yourself down. You'll be able to say it's just soup or he's just home a few minutes late. Don't kill the guy. Don't jump on him. Don't allow your marriage to get off the rails because there's absolutely no reason for it. I, I, I've said this many times. Most things that couples argue about are shockingly stupid. The, the actual thing that they're arguing about is so silly, usually. But we allow ourselves to jump on board. And the minute somebody does something against us, we reciprocate and we go against them. Gimelazu Ra means I'm going to give you good. No matter what you're giving me, I'm going to give you good. Because it does take two to tango. And I'm going to make sure that I'm not going to be dancing with you tonight. This dance. Okay? So that is the first concept. That a spouse gives back good things. The loira. And not bad things. All the time. There's consistency to that. That's the first idea. The second idea within the same pasuk is maybe a little bit different. Because I, I gave this, I gave a speech once. I don't know if I should say which community it was in. I gave a certain speech in a certain community. And one of the things that I said was that I think that many people who've gone through kala classes and they were taught that you have to just be mavater and be mavater and be mavater. When you look back after 20, 30, 40 years, you realize that you just became a shmater. So the, the, the catchphrase was, was that you were mavater, mavater, mavater until you became a shmater. I finished the speech and I literally had like 200 ladies lined up to talk to me about this idea. And this, this was not a young crowd. This was people who had married 20, 30, 40 years. And the amount of tears, it took me hours to get out of this place. And the amount of tears. And after a while, after like the third lady, people just started coming over in clusters, like five people at a time and then 10 people at a time. And everyone was saying like, I am so resentful from this concept of just be mavater, just be mavater, just be mavater, just be mavater means like, just, just give up, just give in, just don't say anything that I feel resentful. I don't, I don't have a voice in my marriage. I can't say something to my spouse. And that was the sentiment that was being echoed by many people. And I, I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Being mavater has a time, it has a place. There's a lot of time for that, but Let's take a different approach here, maybe just for a minute. So let me explain this, this idea sort of with a story. I asked my son for permission to say the story. So don't think I'm just like saying this. It's with his permission. So Baruch Hashem, one of my sons, is a fantastic, amazing kid. And in school, academically, Baruch Hashem is doing very, very well. His teacher, his English teacher, is like a Rebbe. And... The class was learning math and different concepts. And he was like explaining concepts of LCM, lowest common denominator, and all these different ideas. And my son was like, oh, yeah, be ready. Like, you know, teacher, whatever. You realize you can do it this way. You could do it that way. Like, if you invert the whatever, the relationship between the binomials. Blah, blah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah. And like the teacher was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could actually do it that way. You know, and he kept pointing out. 
about my son. He said, oh, Epstein, guys, like, listen to Epstein. Or we could do it this way, or we could do it the way Epstein said it, like, the whole time, right? The next day, like, my son came to class, and all of a sudden he's, like, acting a little chutzpahdik. All of a sudden he's, like, sitting on the floor. He's, like, really not acting himself. He's picking fights with kids in the middle of class, etc., etc., yeah? <laughs> so... We we start we like we're in touch with like the teacher. The teacher's in touch with us rather. <laughs> Let's call it what it was. And we were like trying to figure out like what's going on. It lasted like a day, a second day, a third day, and like we like couldn't figure it out. Here's like a prize student, amazing kid, right? And all of a sudden he's like really not acting himself. And it was one day I was going for a walk with my wife, and it like struck me what I thought was going on. See, children like parameters. They like to know where the walls are, where the ceiling is, and where the floor is. If they have parameters, emotional parameters, then they feel healthy. They feel safe. If they don't know where the ceiling or the floor is or the walls are, they feel like they're free-falling through space. And what (laughs) they often will do is they will challenge those parameters to see where they are. So they might like, act out or do something in order for an authority to come and be like, oh, you just crossed the line. And they'll be like, oh, good. There's a line. There's authority. There's structure. There's Seder. It's not Hefker. I can't just do anything. So I called his English teacher, Rebbe, and I said, I want to lay out for you a funny theory. And the theory is, is that because you're so like shicker with my son, like he wrote even in the in the report card, he wrote like, your son deserves a plaque in the student hall of fame. Like amazing student. So, you're, so because you're so shaker with my son, he doesn't feel that security. That there's parameters, that there's walls, that there's a ceiling, that there's a floor. You could go until here and you can't go past there. He doesn't feel that. So he's testing you to see like, is there structure here? Like, is there something I, can I sit on the floor and you won't throw me out? Can I like, Throw something across the room and you won't reprimand me? Like, where's the structure here to the relationship? When it comes to many relationships, a lot of people are taught, just be mavater, be mavater, be mavater. Okay, it's nice. But like, do we not have a voice? Can we not say something to your spouse? Can you not like raise, hey, I have a problem that you're like working till 10 o'clock at night and you're not coming home? There's, you know, this series, the amount of questions that I've gotten are like through the roof. And one person's question was, and it's really a question that I've heard echoed by many people is, well, what happens if I'm the one putting in all the work and my spouse is doing nothing? Or I really want my marriage to go somewhere, but my spouse is not. And the answer is, talk to them. I'm saying, don't, there's the concept of just, yeah, fine, it is the way it is. You will wake up one day so resentful that your spouse was not open to talking, not available for you to step in, say, hey, we need help. We need to talk to somebody. We need to watch something together. We need to go to therapy. We need hadracha. We need to speak to a rub. If you don't have a voice in a relationship, that relationship doesn't have parameters. And I think that the key word here is not so much on the taiv, but it's more on the ra. Gimelasu taiv. That what a, a woman or a husband does for their relationship at certain times is actually taiv. 
It's good. She sits down with her spouse and she says, this is not good. We need help. We need to work on something. The Laira. But she's not mean about it. It's not evil. That is not evil. To sit down with your spouse and have a conversation with them, to say to them, you know, we really need some help. Could we really talk to somebody together? Our, our marriage needs a boost. We don't, I think, feel like we don't have necessarily the skills that are needed for this. Having an open conversation to enhance your marriage is actually taif. That's not ra. Every day you have to judge. How much do I push and how much do I ease off? And the second concept is a simple concept. Is that if you have a marriage that has no boundaries, it has no borders, it has no repercussions, it has no voice, it has no dialogue. I'm sorry to say, but that's not much of a marriage. If you can't talk, if you can't say something, if you can't express yourself, if your spouse is not on board with you having an open conversation with them, then how do you grow? How do you, how do you, how do you get challenged? How do you challenge the other person? Where's the re, where's the reality of the relationship? Why is the relationship just like two people drifting in the night doing their own thing? Cause they're scared to actually have a sit down conversation. So Gimelasu Taiv, the way I would explain this is that when your spouse does something that's not good, you, you, you actually get it to be good. How? By talking to them. You bring the good into the relationship. You tell them, hey, that's not good. This is good. Let me show you what good is. The Laira, I'm not, I'm not here to kill you. I'm not being mean to you. I'm not like shechting you. I'm doing this in a way that's going to enhance our relationship. And because of that, there's appreciation. Usually person goes along with that. They're able to like appreciate what you're bringing to the table. So that's the second idea. The first idea is sometimes it's just soup. It's not worth it. Sometimes you have to accept where your spouse is today. This is who they are. This is their emotional capacity. This is who they are. Simple. Don't fight. It's not worth it. Sometimes, though, you actually have the ability and the skill and the fortitude and the confidence to stand up to your spouse and say to them, we got to have a little chat. Let me tell you what we need to do. Let me tell you how we need to do this. And that's the second concept. The third concept, (laughs) excuse me, is... Let's go back to this Medrash. The Medrash says, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to the Malachi Yasharis, look what I do to call Yisrael. Knesset Yisrael is sitting there down on earth and they're getting smashed with tsunamis and COVID and Parnassah issues and all these problems. And what do they do? They turn to me and they say, wow, Hashem, you're amazing. You're great. They're so benevolent to me. It sounds almost like Hashem is sitting there up there just like raining down like devastation. And we're down here almost like deliriously just following along. Yeah, Hashem, wow, great, wonderful. Okay, you're good. But that's not how it really is. In reality, what are all these things that we perceive as being bad? What are they? Kamad of Rahmana is really Litav of it, right? Struggles with Parnasa, struggles with health, struggles with all these things. What are they? They are opportunities designed for each one of us to grow. So we don't look back at Hashem and say, hey, you're really a Meshugana, but like, wink, wink, they told me in seminary to say that you're nice, so I guess you're nice. That's not how it works. We internalize that part of our growth to understanding something, some being that doesn't exist the way we understand it, but there's a, a reality of like, this is all letal of it. It's all good. Everything that Hashem does is for good. And we really believe that. 
So when we go through struggles, we go through struggles. You know, it's coming up to Purim. I was just telling somebody that I once heard Robert Berkowitz talks about this idea that when it comes to Purim, a lot of people get drunk, right? Sit down, just get drunk. Why? Because it's a mitzvah, Adelayada, right? Robert Berkowitz always would say that, and this is brought down in many svarim, that if you look at the year, the calendar of the year, it really starts with Pesach, we're born. That's when we're called an Am for the first time. And if you go through, Chinuch then starts with Shavuos, where we start getting the rules, and then we start rebelling. That's Tishabav. And then we start doing Tshuva, and that's Rosh Hashanah, Kabbalah Samach Hashemayim, you accept authority. And then Sukkot, that's when things are like already doing well. If you go through the year, so that means that the last Yantiv of the year is what? The highlight, everything is really Purim. Okay, if the year starts at Pesach, it goes around, it ends at Purim. Okay? So our would say that, what is Purim? You're supposed to drink, Adlayada, right? You don't know, I don't know, Rebekah would say that, no. A person on Purim should sit down and should take a list of all of their tsaras that they have. Write it down on a paper and then take a bottle of wine, preferably, right? And sit down and go through your list. Okay, I need more Parnas Hashem. You gave me, I don't understand it. I'm going to be mavatel my das to you, Hashem. L'chaim. Take a drink. Okay, I have this issue in my life. Hashem, I don't understand it. I'm being mavatel my das to you. Take another drink. The next issue, you start crossing it off. Okay? The next issue, Hashem, I'm being mevatel my das to you. Until you realize that you're totally gone and totally wasted, that your entire das, your entire brain and understanding of how the world works is mevatel to Hashem. That you cannot tell the difference between Arahaman and Barach Mardachai. And that is the absolute pinnacle of all of the Yom Tayyavim that we celebrate. The highest level is you had your cheshbonis here, and you did your averis here, and your tshuva there. The highest level of tshuva, the highest level of kabbalah, kimuva, kibla, yehudin, the highest level of everything is Hashem, I don't really know anything. Hashem, you run this whole world, and it's all tav. It's all for good. Therefore, we're not sitting here as Knesset Yisrael and saying to ourselves, wow, Hashem, you're really crazy. I don't know what you're doing up there. COVID made no sense. I obviously need more Parnassa. This person obviously needs this. You, you, you're like, you're totally, you're nuts. But like, hey, yeah, I guess you're good. That's, that, that's not anger towards Hashem is no place. Even if you look at David Amalek, he struggled literally from the second he was born. Read through somebody who went through the hardest life ever, literally every struggle. It was all about Connection, closeness to Hashem is good. Why? I don't understand it all. I don't, but it's still good. Why am I saying all this? Because there are so many couples that I've dealt with. One particular comes to mind. It was very close to the wedding. And my wife asked me to sit in on a meeting with a girl. She was very, very nervous to walk down the aisle. What was the issue? She's much more rigid, cerebral, very accountant type of brain, a spreadsheet, columns, rows, you know, that's how her brain works. And her, her chassan, who she was getting married to in a couple of days, is like very aloof, like all over the place, you know, like running for a plane, like spilling things, his shirts flying, like not on time, missing calls, his phone is like left in the bathroom in like 7-Eleven, like just total opposite. And she was getting nervous. Like, she's like, I'm getting married here. 
my spouse is very, very different than me. I don't know how this is going to work. And she was starting to panic. And we had a long, long conversation that sometimes, and this is not a blanket rule, but sometimes a person has to look into their marriage and ask themselves, where is my avoda in my marriage? Where are the parts of my marriage that are really tight? They're really good. The Lyra, they're not bad. You thought it was bad because you're different. You're different. That's great. That means you have two ways of approaching something. It's different. Great. This is an opportunity for you to grow, to work on yourself. Sometimes what you perceive as your spouse is so different than you and therefore it's a problem. They act so different. Their emotions are so different. Their reactions to things are so different. You think that's terrible. So now we're going to start fighting. What are you fighting about? Don't you realize what your spouse brings to the table? A completely different perspective than what you had before. If a person is able to have the maturity to look at their life like that, then it's like Knesset Yisrael to Hashem. It's the most beautiful, loving relationship where Hashem gives us countless opportunities to connect to Him. We reciprocate by actually appreciating all the taiv within those challenges. It's not that Hashem is doing things that are not taiv. It's not bad. It's good. Therefore, the reaction is, Why would I be bad towards Hashem? There's nothing bad here. It's all good. So if it's all good, then of course I'm going to be good. He's good, so I'm good. We're all good. Sometimes a person has to have the maturity to take a step back and to ask themselves, we're in my relationship that is so different. My spouse is so different. Because guess what? Men and women are different. Very different. And even in a perfect scenario where you both grew up in different homes, you both grew up different because your parents are different than each other. So like you have... Machatanim that are different, children that are different, trying to create something. The only way for that to work is to appreciate there's going to be a million differences. And if you could appreciate those differences, then then you will, you'll be fine. You'll be good with it. And just the last part for 30 seconds. All the time. Obviously that works on consistency, but there's a Gemara that talks about Rabbi Akiva. What was Rabbi Akiva known for? that he was killed at Kiddush Hashem besides all the other things that he was known for. And the Gemara says that he was saying Shema and his Talmudim said, Rebbe, you're saying Shema now at this point? And he was so happy and he said, Kol Yomai, every day of my life. I was so excited. When will I get to the point where I'm going to be able to say that I love Hashem and I'm able to be makabal this, 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 these Yisurim with such a hava. I never expected to get to this level. Kal Yamai waited all my days to be able to get here. And Chazal say that Rabbi Akiva was saying something here. He was saying that in order to obtain certain levels in relationship, in his case, it was being Mekadashim Shemayim, sometimes you have to work on it every day. It's not enough to simply say, yeah, yeah, when the time comes, I'll be ready for this. You're not going to be ready. If you just wake up one day and your spouse walks in the door and he's in a bad mood, he slams the door, he had a terrible day. Chances are you're going to jump right onto that roller coaster. He's going to be like, where's the food? What's going on? Where's that? What's going on? You're going to be snapping back at him. What is this? Are you treating me like this? Yeah, you just walk in the door. You're not going to be able to withstand the emotional barrage that's coming at you to be able to just say, whoa, 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 whoa. I- I'm in control. It's something that takes a lot of gavura to be able to, to challenge yourself on your own to be able to practice over and over.
Let me make sure that my emotions, and I think this is the key, that my emotions are like this. My emotions are in check. I'm not imploding where I'm just closing down and going to the room and locking the door and giving silent treatment. Sorry to say that's not healthy, right? That doesn't do the trick, even though some of us have been there before. That's not, that doesn't work. Or exploding, yelling, screaming. That also doesn't work. The ultimate relationship with a person is where there's consistency. Wow, I see what's such a hard day. Take a few minutes. Supper will be ready soon. Go relax. You're able to have bilas over your own emotions. And if a person's able to do that and realize that sometimes it's just soup, it's not worth talking about it. Sometimes you need to talk about it. And you'll sit your husband down and go like, hey, we got to have a little chat. How do we enhance things over here that we're not always like yelling and screaming? Like, how do we, how do we do that? How do we like make our house fun and gishmak? Like, how do we have that conversation? And number three, sometimes saying like, wow, their personality is the exact opposite of mine, but I love it. They're bringing something to the table that I never thought about before. They're spontaneous and I'm not. They're rigid and I'm not, right? They're firmer than me. I need to work on this or they're not so much. Maybe I need to like, whatever it is. Every relationship has its avayda. Every relationship has its avayda. Discovering your avayda, making sure that you have a voice is gemalasu taiv. But it sometimes takes takes time to work on it. That's the idea. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.